This episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast is presented by The Performance Academy. For all of your athletic training needs, train with purpose at The Performance Academy. TPA houses a number of training resources from private baseball and softball instruction to team sports performance classes. Utilize advanced technologies like output sports, hit tracks, and TrackMan to take your game to the next level. On top of our elite staff and advanced technological capabilities, be a part of the TPA family and take advantage of the many resources our facility has to offer. Want to go to a game? How about a concert? How about going to see classical music? Whatever you're into, there's only one place to get your tickets. Thankfully, we are partnered with SeatGeek, the essential resource for live events. For any of your ticket needs, make sure you go over to SeatGeek.com and use the code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. For all of your clothing needs, athleisure, the sickest baseball gear you can get. We're talking hoodies, shorts, sweatpants, sunglasses, hats, any baseball style you can imagine. Routine Baseball has it, and we are now partnered with them. All you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. It's routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have you will receive 10 percent off your order today one more time routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10 percent off your order today powered by riverside Welcome back to episode 123 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Very, very, very excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, how are we today? What's going on? Oh, come on. That's the, that's not the energy we needed on this, on this, this fine is, afternoon here. This um, is the most we've recorded in a two-day stretch. Yeah, well, I mean, that should give you more juice than anything, but you know, I don't hate, I don't hate, it's okay, you, you don't want to bring the juice, we have somebody else who I think is going to bring the juice and make up for Dan's lack thereof of energy, and we have Colin Palouse finally making his way back to the Riverside recording platform, getting back on the podcast, Colin, how are we doing, and welcome back to home, right, this is home. Uh, it's been a crazy I guess two months being home, but I feel like I can finally breathe a little bit, but I'm excited to be back and looking forward to a good off season with you guys and pretty excited for all the stuff you guys have done. So good to be yeah. back, back at home, my own bed and, you know, living life at home. So it's nice. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that like, you know, when, when we talk about it, it's like you spend I mean, what is it, six or seven months at least just away from everything, from reality of like what the world is to, to even Dan and I of like 
okay, like seeing friends, weddings, all of these things that go on in the off season. And that's why the last two months have been crazy for you is because it's not just as simple as, hey, I'm back home. What do I got going on? Let me just kick my feet up and watch football on Saturdays and relax for a little bit. No, it's like I've got everybody who wants to see me and I've got all these things planned for the next two months, vacations, engagements, which first off, congratulations Congrats. on that. Um, for an official, I know I told you already, but in an official lens and, and all the stuff like that. So you've been, yeah, oh, that's for Brady or that's for Teddy. That's so cute. I almost called him Brady, but it's been a busy two months. Um, it's been a busy two months, but we're happy to have you back. And, and I think it's going to be a really, really fun off season combined with, with what all three of us have planned here. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think you guys have done a great job while I was away for some time, and I'm excited to catch along with that and hopefully bring some more guests to the podcast that I've played against or played with. So look forward to it, and hopefully, you know, I'm sure the viewers are going to be really excited for everything we have coming on here. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, Colin, how, how, uh, how tired are you when you get done your season? exhausted i want nothing i just want to lay down like in a dark room and just relax with nobody talking to me for a little bit i was uh, it was so nice to just like get home because i think i just had like a long stretch is like dating back to 2022 i didn't get done until like this time last year i think i got home like five days ago last year at this time so i went trucks yeah or was it? I went to the fall league, so I had fall league through 100, 100 some innings in twenty one, through one hundred and forty that year, two weeks off, and then another grindy year out in, you know, out in Vegas, and it was nice to finally relax, take some more time off than I have. So I think that really helped with my body. At I this can't point imagine like you just like you, you, just the mental and physical stress that you you go through for those seven months and then for it to like just end it must feel so good when you when you finally like touch feet down back home and like mm-hmm. you're like all right i can like breathe for at least yeah. a little bit like those first couple of nights like in my own, my own bed i'm like snuggled up like i'm not getting up till 10 o'clock today like i got nothing to do i don't have to get to the field <laughs> at one o'clock i don't have to do all the errands and shopping with you know the fiance beforehand and make sure that she gets her uh her hours in but it is nice that we have more time to you know do stuff and relax and spend more time with each other and spend time with family and friends so it was it was tiring she would laugh at me i wake up in the mornings and i'm like hobbling to the hobbling to the bathroom like it's it's tough today i'm like i'm grinding through it but we all go through it everybody's had their aches and pains like constantly throughout the years so it's it's nothing new it's got to get used to it and learn how to you know, adapt and overcome those aches and pains that seem to never really go away. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, for some reason, there were multiple times this year that I this this thought had crossed my mind, and it was for a multitude of things. But you know how like everybody like who watches a professional sport or really any sport like that played the game at eye level be like, I would play that, I'd play the game for free or whatever, like all this stuff like that, and. I kept, there were multiple times this year for whatever reason, whether I was just like exhausted from like a lift and tried to walk 18 holes on like some sore legs or whatever it was. And I just remember there were multiple times where I was like, I would not play this game, play the game of baseball for a million dollars right now, like at all, like for as long. And like the combination of like wear and tear on your body, then getting back up and doing it the next day. Mm-hmm. And then 
what people don't think about is being away from your family, the mental fatigue of that being in, you know, a different time zone from your family. So it's tough to get link up. Like when we would try to text you, it'd be like, I'm waking up at five thirty six a.m. texting you. I don't hear back from you till two, three, because you're mm-hmm. just getting up because you were up till, you know, almost when I woke up over here on the East Coast and all this stuff like that. And then the physical demands and then the off season is like, you work all off season, right? Like you, you have to stop. post in the gym. You have to post for three, four hours of fitness and throwing and making sure that plan's all good to go. And I'm like, it is not the life of glory that people think it is. This is not like a group of college baseball kids that get to go booze on a Saturday night and have a good time. Like professional baseball is a never ending, physically demanding job that is brutal. And people think that it's just this fun game. And I, I don't think it is. And I think you would agree with that. It's, I mean, it, it is a game at the end of the day. Like it is, I mean, we're baseball, we're entertainers technically, but I always see that like a lot of pe- people say like, oh, I'll do it for free. Like people would kill to be in that position. And like, when I see that, I'm like, I'll like do it for free for, I'll give you two weeks. And at the end of those two weeks, maybe even a week, like, let me know how you're doing. First off, like mentally, like you're waking up doing the same thing every single day. I'm coming to the get into the field at one o'clock, stretches at three thirty, start warming up like two, same mobility routine, sometimes get a lift in you know twice a week or so, go out, play catch, come in, eat, you, you do the same thing every day. And sometimes it gets tough because it gets repetitive, but that's the good thing about like routines is like once you get to stick to a really good routine, it starts working, you start feeling better. It's and then you ditch away from it, and then you're like, oh, gosh, like, now I got to catch up to it again. But, you know, there are thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids that would love to be in our position. But I think if they got a little taste of it and saw, like, how physically and mentally demanding it is, you know, especially at, you know, a AAA level and then, you know, guys in the big leagues, like, it's even more. Like, those guys are at the stadium at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, not leaving until midnight. I'm not on my phone, you know, most of the time. I'll never forget when I first started uh, dating uh, my fiance now. She, she'd she get so mad at me because I wouldn't text her from 1 o'clock to like 10, 30, 11. She's like, what is this kid doing? I'm like, I, I'm at the field. I'm either watching video. I'm either eating. I'm working out. I'm looking at stuff. So there's so much that goes into it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I love it. I mean, I get the... I get to play baseball for a living. Like it's hard to beat that and say like, I'm going to the stadium today. Like every time I walk into the stadium, it's like, I mean, I love it. Like, especially in Vegas, how they treated us with everything. It was, it was hard to not get up and go. Like, you'd, you know, it was tough to say like, I don't want to go today because you know, just how great everything is there. But yeah, it is, it is a little stretch, but you know, we kind of get used to it over time. People who say stuff like that have zero perspective. They have zero life perspective. Like it's like, like, no idea. I get get the sentiment of like, you would love to be a professional athlete, but you wouldn't want to be a professional athlete without being paid. (laughs) You feel like you'd be getting taken advantage of. Like, (laughs) let alone how minor leaguers were paid, you know, I mean, just were not paid. Yeah. You were doing it for free. Just a year ago and you get your W2 and you're like, you know, where's the rest? Like, (laughs) there's no way. Makes it a little bit. I made it. I I don't know how I got here. (laughs) I don't know how I ate. Like, gosh, I just paid all the rent. Well, now they pay for housing, but gosh, you know, it's tough sometimes, but I love it. It's baseball. I mean, nothing beats going out there playing 
playing catch on the field before the game, watching the game under the lights, watching the sunset over the mountains in the background in Vegas, like all that stuff. Just try to take it in while you can before, you know, eventually it's going to be over. Hopefully not for another 15 years or so. Give my body that much, so. Yeah, definitely. And, and and I gotta ask you, I mean, you brought it up and, and I think I mean now we're at the point where it's it's pretty far back where, where it happened, but how were the new changes in pay structure and helping with housing? Like how did that impact you and, and your fiance out there in Vegas and, and how much more comfortable or were you, was it not that big of a difference? Were you through this whole season of, of having a, a little bit more financial compensation there? It made a boatload difference. So I think in 21 was my first season and I'll never forget we're in spring training and we have like maybe like a week, like 10 days left, maybe a little less. And they put the final rosters up like Stockton, Lansing, Midland and Vegas. And they give us a week, you know, less than a week to find housing. And at that point we were not making well enough money to stay in a nice place. That year I kind of took a pretty big, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. I, you know, paid a little too much for rent. And I think that kind of hurt me. But after that they started paying for our housing, which helped so much more than I don't think people really think. Cause in Midland, the apartments were 10 minutes from the stadium Vegas, they were right across the street. And it was just so much of a big help to not worry about paying rent each month. You know, half almost half of your paycheck a couple of years ago was going straight to rent. And then there's the horror stories of having your name on two or three different leases. You know, this is a game where guys are moving all over the place. You know, I think I had like six or seven different roommates just in six months. And I couldn't imagine it like how it was beforehand. A lot of the older guys are talking about it, like you guys have no idea how hard it was for us back then. And they're talking about how much harder it is now and how much better it is today with all the union stuff. So I can't be more thankful for what they have done in such a short amount of time to give us the things that we need so that we can perform at the highest level that we can. Cause at the end of the day, like we all want to make it to the big leagues. And if we're worrying about pay or worrying about where I'm going to eat tonight, worrying about, I have to pay two, I have two lease. I have my name on two leases. I have to pay rent for both of them, even though I'm not living in the one. So there's all those horror stories, but the union, I, I mean, they've done such a great job of letting people know like how hard it is for us before. So I mean, I can't think of them enough. I just leave it at that. It's just been so much of a big help. You know, on the field, you don't got to worry about it. Off the field, you don't got to worry about it as much. So definitely helped. I wish we could find out the amount of people who, like, it affected negatively, whether their performance or just, like, having to leave the game because they couldn't Mm -hmm. – they didn't want to deal with it anymore because you weren't – I mean, at some point – I'm going to start having a family. I know me and you talked about it. I think me and you did it right after it got announced, Colin, me and you were on here talking about like, just like the amount of people that like, oh, I want, I want to, I'm moving on with my life. Like I can't keep yeah. doing this. Like I'm, I'm going to have to retire, but how much better, this isn't a serious question. How much better was Vegas than any other stops you've been in? Oh my gosh. It, right? was, <laughs> it was like sick. We all felt like big leaguers, like the, that <laughs> facility there's security there 24 7 so like the whole place is like blocked off like it's only players going in there the locker room is couldn't be any better the lockers are amazing the training room area is fantastic 
full weight room. The kitchen area has got endless amounts of food. The The dinner meals we were getting, the pregame meals, every time were just spot on. They were like, I mean, to our standard, they were great. You know, sandwiches, like a lot of protein, carbs and stuff. And then after the games, I mean, we had a consistent just cycle of just great, great offers and great food to eat. And, I mean, the stadium itself is – I think it's been rated like one of the best minor league stadium. I think Vegas and like Durham and maybe like Nashville, like it's up there, but they've had the most fans, you know, year after year since it opened constant sellouts, 10, 10,000 plus fans a game. Like it was such a great environment to be in. And we were far enough away from the strip to not be, you know, stuck down from stuck in all that chaos. We were like 20, 25 minutes away from the strip and we were in Summerlin, which is a really nice area, but, uh, it was, I don't even know how to describe it. It was the best place that I've played at in my career, I would say, which is everything total. It was phenomenal. And was like the surrounding areas, like not oh. even just like the amenities, like was that even better than Lansing or Midland, like just that you city? You won't believe the Red Rock Casino is right behind our stadium. And so we were fortunate to be able to go over there whenever we wanted. So there'd be mornings we'd be over there every Monday, every Monday we're over there at the pool, you know, hanging out. Like it was, it was so nice. Then right next to that is a huge outdoor shopping center with every store you could possibly think of. It had everything and Trader Joe's there for groceries. It had like all these different food venues. It had tons of stores so like the fiance really liked that but uh not for the pocketbooks here so <laughs> but it was i couldn't have thought of like a better place to be because every team that comes in to vegas they're like this is our vacation week like they're like the guys are reporting to the field at five o'clock like they're they're on vacation sort of for that week but, I sunglasses mean, on oh, walk yeah. inside they lights bothering the eyes a little bit you know vegas vegas got them we're at, we're at the pool every Monday and there's the other team hanging out. We're all hanging out together, like enjoying our days. Like even on some mornings, like if I knew I wasn't going to be hot that day, I would go to the, go there in the morning, get there at nine thirty, ten o'clock and just relax and eat lunch there. And there'd be the other team there too, just as well, like enjoying it, soaking it up. So it was, it couldn't have been any better for a home team. And then let alone just any visiting team that came, like I would love to be in a away team at some point and come to Vegas, like oh, we're going to Vegas. It's a little different than saying, yes, I'm going to Reno, Nevada. Like, yeah, it'd be exciting this week. <laughs> well, I think the, I think the hope is that long-term as Vegas can be your, your permanent home here with obviously the mm-hmm. news that, um, it has been official that the Oakland A's are making the transition to Las Vegas. Now, when that's going to be, I have no idea. I'm not privy on that information, but it looks like hopefully, I mean, I think all of us that are rooting for you in your career, we hope that you spend a lot of time in Vegas over the next 15 to 20 years, right? Is, is kind of the hope. But I got it. You brought up Trader Joe's. What's the, is that the go-to uh, grocery store now that I'm an old man and, and I grocery shop yes. for, for yeah. fun? And, and it was that the go-to there? Yeah. It had everything, like the yeah. snacks, the the goodies. The protein the bars are oh, everything, top of line. everything top of is line great. Protein. It was yeah. amazing, 
but I didn't know I didn't know if you guys if Vegas was a Publix kind of place too. Those those uh Publix sandwiches are are really good too. They had a couple places like that, but yeah. I mean, everything okay. out there was just so nice. The area we were in was uh kind of like a younger crowd. Mm, like nice. guys like similar to our age that are kind of just getting started, so it was just safe area. Mm-hmm. Nice restaurants, nice shops. Everything was everything was an A plus. It's hard to beat it. Nice. So, so, so what's the best story that you whether it be you don't you don't have to call anybody out by name, but who got called on the strip and and just didn't make it when they were supposed to show up the next day? Opposing team, guy on your team. Like, did we have anybody out in the strip in like August after the Vegas flare no. wore off? Somebody, I, somebody who needed some help, maybe. Not, not as much as you'd think. Like, I like a lot of like I would say a lot of guys on our team were like very. I'd say like very committed to like obviously their job. So that we didn't have like any crazy stories like that. Maybe I just wasn't there to be a part of it because I'm not going down to the strip and going to sit at a table for five thousand dollars to watch a Diplo concert. Like I'm not gonna do that. Like I'm sorry. I'm like you guys are five year big leaguers. I can't afford that, so you guys go have fun. <laughs> but uh we didn't have like any stories like that. I'm sure visiting teams have definitely had stories because we played uh, we played some guys that have been traded or we played against, and they were saying that we got guys staying on the strip. They're renting cars. They're not even staying at the Red Rock. like So they're living it up. So I'm sure there's some stories mixed in there of some guys not making it and you know, getting in some trouble. But I'd say on our team, there was everybody was pretty – everybody was on time when they needed to be. Everybody wasn't you know showing up intoxicated or under any sort of influences. From what you know. Yeah, from what I know. But – but yeah, you you'd need help if you were doing that all summer. Like it's got to wear off at some point, right? Like in the beginning, like it might be like cool that you're there, but then after like what a yeah. month, you're like, all right, mm-hmm. like this is just where I live. Like it's yeah, it's not yeah. A- the, I'd say the first month we were like a little like I don't even know what to call it, like Vegas fever. Like yeah, going to every store, Red Rock, like every off day for five six hours, you know, eating and other things, but. And uh, just kind of digging the pocketbook a little deeper. And then after like a month and a half, two months, it was kind of like, all right, like we've done it. Like we've seen it all. We've done the tours. We've seen all the stuff we wanted to. So we're just going to relax for a little bit. But yeah, the first couple of months, so I say the first like month and a half was like, hey, let's, we're here. Like this, never know when I might be here next. Could be traded tomorrow. Could be yeah. another team. Could be anywhere. So just live it up while you can and enjoy it. But yeah, it definitely died off a little bit towards the end. Towards the end, I was like, get get me out of here. Like I'd like to go <laughs> go home, see my mom, see my dad, see my friends. You know, all that other stuff. But it has to be hot out there in the summer too. No, <sighs> like ridiculous, bad, like really yeah. bad. Like I'm talking like like 120 during the day, like 115, like seven o'clock start times, like temperatures like 110. I'm like. <sighs> I can't breathe. Yeah. And the, the sun, the sun would set. Um, so our bullpen was in right field. The sun would set behind like third base. So the bullpen was just like this giant oven. And we're just sitting there just like, there's no way. Like, I'm only going to pitch. Like you feel all hot, but then you go out to the mound and you're licking your fingers and you're like, I got nothing. Like, it's just, yeah. it was so dry, but yeah, for a good stretch, it was, unbearable to even like go outside like we couldn't even walk couldn't even walk the dog like in the you know around lunchtime because his the ground would be so hot for him to even run like i'm not going outside anyway 
like it's too it's I'm gonna be outside the stadium like I'm gonna stay in the AC as long as I can but it got pretty hot out there at some points but earlier in the season it was freezing the first two weeks it was really cold and it was like a different sort of like the dry cold like like when it's like 50 here like we're outside in shorts and a t-shirt like we're like it's like a summer nice fall day or whatnot but 50 out there is like i'm bundled up with a hat and scarf and gloves i'm like what is like what is going on here but Mm -hmm. it got hot really quick (laughs) i believe i believe it i believe it so obviously i mean we can talk a little bit about this season i think we don't we don't need to sit back and and dive into the details with it but i think for our listeners is where it would be a really good conversation point is is for those that didn't follow collins every outing like dan and i do on a weekly basis there's a lot of ups a lot of downs the pcl's a meat grinder some starts some bullpen appearances some weeks with multiple outings and some weeks with none and i think again without we don't have to dive into the details of the what and the why but more of just like how you handled that right and and how you handle adversity being a professional athlete when those things especially in the position that you were in of being in triple a and feeling like coming in you know i'm sure in february or march i know dan and i had shared this sentiment as i'm sure you did it was like when's it, when's he going to be in Oakland? Right. And when are, when are we making the flight out West and, and when are we going out to, to watch him make his big league debut? How did you handle the highs and the lows of this season? And, and what did you learn about yourself specifically from those moments of adversity? Oh, heck there's a, I could talk for days, but I'll try to dim it down some, but going in the spring training, I wasn't sure where I was going to be placed. I wasn't really sure if I did well enough as a starter the year before to get a shot in at in Vegas. So the first like the entire month of spring training, I was on the AAA workout list, but they move guys every single day and every day I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm like, I'm still on it, I'm still on, it, I'm still on it. And then the day finally came, I'm like, okay, like I'm going the AAA now. And in my mind I'm like kind of like, wow, like I get this opportunity to pitch at AAA, pitch at this high level as a starter. And so the first month, uh, I wouldn't say it was terrible. I just, I think I had, I had two starts that weren't great. I think my first start obviously wasn't all that great, like three innings, like five runs, a couple homers. But I thought I had like three, I think it was like three starts in a row where I was doing really well. And, you know, I'm going back to my, going back home with my fiance and I'm like talking to my mom and dad, I'm like, I'm feeling like really good right now, like knowing how Oakland, they're still in a rebuild sort of process. And my thought was hey, maybe I might get a shot early. And then two thirds of an inning, Taylor Trammell hits me 500 feet to right. And, you know, and next week I'm in the bullpen. But when they told me I was in the bullpen, um, it was just a short conversation with the pitching coaches came around me and said, hey, you're going to be in the pen for now. We're going to try and stretch you out if we can, uh, just in case – uh, we think you can come and start again, but that ended up just not happening. But the first, the first two months, I felt really good in the pen. I really wasn't thinking much about like my routine and stuff. I was kind of just treating it as I would as a starter, and I think that really helped me just like keep my mind blank. You know, phone rings, Palouse get hot. Okay, I'm pitching. Like it's fight or flight, and I think that was what I really liked about the bullpen was once that phone rings and they say that it's your that you need to be ready in a couple of pitches you have it you have nothing you can't do anything about it you're either going to do really really good or you're not going to do good so i'd like that 
I like that feeling of like that adrenaline rush of when they say, Hey, get hot, let's go. And it's like, all right, like it's game time now. But I think, you know, the first half did, I did really well. And then I think I just started getting a little tired and I think I wasn't, um, as hard on myself to like stick to my routine, stick to my throwing plan and stuff. I think sometimes when you get into that process of like the body starts getting tired, you start doing less and not putting in some work that you were before. And I think I fell down that path just a little too much for some stretch. And I think that obviously had to do with the fact that I wasn't pitching well during that stretch, you know, I'd get an outing, not do well. Then I wouldn't pitch for, you know, six plus days or something, but, I mean, as a coach, like you want guys that are going to go out there and produce and, you know, it's a results oriented game and go out there and get outs. And I wasn't doing that for the team at that point. So it kind of hurt me, you know, mentally, but then physically I was still tired. So it was tough to find like a medium ground to keep going every day. But I'd say I learned just a lot about myself. I think that was the biggest part is I need to do a better job when things aren't going well you stick to your routine, stick to the process, trust yourself that at the end, if you put in the work, you know, the early months and you keep up with it, it's going to, you know, it's going to work out towards the end. But yeah, the last, I say the last two months of the season were probably the hardest two months of my career. They were, they were tough. It was every outing. I was like, gosh, like I just keep letting up run after run home runs, home runs and walking guys and stuff. And it was tough because I'm, sitting there reflecting like this isn't me like I've this is not who I've ever been so I think this off season obviously like every off season it's it's really important but I think this is without a doubt the most important off season for me to be mentally ready and also physically ready for all the demands and the stress that you're going to handle with during the season but it was a lot to reflect on, and I think I took you know a couple of weeks when I first got home just to relax and think about some things. And uh, now I've kind of just turned the page. I'm trying just to move on from that other version of me and try to get back to the version that I know I can be and you know will be here in the future. So it was a lot, but definitely learned a lot. Played with tons of players. I think I think we're talking about. I think there's only five of us on the whole team that were there from day one to last day. We had 70-plus players in and out, up and down, DFA, retired, traded, you know, all that stuff. So I think I took a lot of advantage of talking to those guys and branching out and interacting with them more because I'm playing with guys that are 35, 36. They've been in the league for, you know, five-plus years. They've been to Japan. They've been to Korea. They've been to Mexico. They've done everything. So I think all the knowledge that I gained and – all the obviously all the adversity that I face, I think that's going to really help me and motivate me even more this off season than it has in any off season to be ready and be ready to take that next step to the big leagues. So a lot to unfold, but <laughs> well, it's just such a like it's such a grind. It's such a long season. Mm-hmm. Like just listening to you talk about like all the different. I feel like you can just like cut out the sections of the season. They're all mini seasons in their own. It's like you're a starter, you're feeling good, you have the good ones, and you go to the pen, feeling good in the pen, you get tired. Like mentally, how do you kind of try and work through that? Like, is there anything you do to try and work through it? Or is it just one of those things where it's like, I got to just wake up and go to work the next day, no matter what? Um, it was, I'd say it was like a mix. Uh, I did do like some like reading and stuff this year. I like those, like, uh, like I guess they call it like self self help or just like, 
I don't know what they would call those type of books, but like Mind Gym, Talent Code, a couple other of those books that I like to read just to like, you know, remind myself, like, I can do this. Like, it's not like what's happening now is not gonna, doesn't have anything that like, you know, it's not me. Like, I need to move on from this. But, you know, mentally it's tough because like you go out there and, you know, I've had success in the past. I've been fortunate to have success, a lot of success in 21 most of 22 I thought was really well 20 you know the fall league went really well the beginning of the season was going well and then it kind of just it just kicks you it feels like a brick just hits you in the head and you're just like what like what happened and then the mind starts to spiral is it this is it that am I not doing this enough you start trying new grips you start trying new new mechanics and the next thing you know you're like where did I go like you kind of lose yourself and forget like about the things that helps you get to that point and I think I kind of branched off a little too much and started trying some things that I've never tried before. And I think that really hurt me because, you know, those are things I'm not used to. Like I'm used to the regular column Palouse and not this person that's trying things that aren't me. So it is tough to handle it, but we all, everybody has to deal with it. Everybody in their life and baseball career specifically is going to go through this stretch, especially in the PCL where, Oh man, the ball flies. But I think when I first got there, a lot of the older guys were like, don't ever look at your ERA. He said, just don't look at it. Because I think at the end of the year, like I think if you looked at all the starters in that league, I mean, they're north of seven. Like they're north of eights at some point, sometimes like nine. And it's tough because you're like, gosh, like I'm giving up nine runs, you know, every nine. <laughs> like it's tough to think about that. But we all go through it. Like everybody's there. Everybody's dealing with the same atmosphere, the same, you know, same, same stuff. So it's tough, but is what it is. It's basically baseball on the moon. The PCL is like, you had a ball at 85 and the launch mm-hmm. angle is, you know, 20 something and it's over the fence. You're like, That's there's insane. no way. There's That's no insane. way. <laughs> is, yeah. is there an adjustment you try and make or does that, is that like a bad idea because it's like, well, this isn't indicative of how things like this isn't indicative of my stuff. So why am I going to try to adjust? Or are you trying to make adjustments for the elements? I'd say yes and no. Obviously the ball's going to fly. So like you don't want to let guys get too extended because guys are strong enough to just plop it out the other way. They can just easily just barrel one oppo and it's gone. But the other thing that was tricky was every place we went, the our, the ball and the pitch shape, the, the RPMs, it changed everywhere we went. So in Vegas, when I first got there, I think I was I was only carrying it like between 14 and 15, 16 vert. And in the previous seasons, I'm usually in the 17, 18, the 20 range. And then you go to Reno and it's even less. And then you go up to Tacoma and you're at sea level. And then you have carry, then you have spin. And then you go back to, you go, Oh heck, you go to Albuquerque, it's a mile high. And it's like, first off, I can't breathe because we're so high in the air. Like I'm running in from the bullpen. I'm like, I'm going to need more than two minutes here. Like I can't catch my breath, but that was a tricky thing. So in catch player, everybody would always say, Hey, make sure, like, make sure you get on it. Like that first couple of days. So that you know what your ball is doing beforehand. Cause there was times where I wouldn't do that. And I'd get out there and I'm like, why is my slider not dropping or not having as much depth as it usually does? Why is my fastball not carrying? My changeup is not running as much as it did. So there's other factors that 
tie into that stuff, not just the ball flight, you know, ball off the bat going really far, but the ball out of hand is changing everywhere you go. Every time I went to Tacoma or Sacramento, we were like, yes, sea level, humidity, not thin air. We're at, you know, we're not at a high elevation. So those were adjustments. But like I said, we're all dealing with it. Like everybody has gone through that at some point. Like everybody – all 28, I don't know how many guys on a roster on every team are dealing with that too. Like we have, I bet every team, every guy's had these same conversations and there's nothing you can do about it. It's not like Vegas is going to get up and move to the East coast at some point And we're just going to be pitching in humidity. You know, we're stuck out there and he's got to handle it. And you know, if it's a home run and it's only 85 off the bat and it goes over and you just have to move on and just say, so what? Yeah. And I think what, what the craziest thing is, 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 especially when you're talking about high carry fastballs and losing carry on your fastball, it's like, that's a big difference, especially when you're talking about the batted ball impact it makes, right? Like if, 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 if your fastball isn't carrying as much as it typically does, that means that person's more likely to hit that ball in the air, which means those 85 in the air that now go out. Like, it's just like, it's the combination of things that makes it so difficult of an environment to pitch in and, and no pitcher is going to benefit from, from that environment. But like, especially when you talk about high carry fastballs, like that makes it really, really hard. If you're, Mm -hmm. if the difference between missing over the barrel and then making contact with the barrel is, is the difference between being at sea level and not like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a run. That's probably a run an inning, at least in my mind, like a three run home run. You're, you're, you're one pitch away every time. Exactly. You're one pitch away. And it's just, you know, like I said, we're all dealing with it. Like we just have to accept the fact that the ball is going to carry more. Your stuff isn't going to move as much. You know, it is what it is. And the guys that can accept that faster and understand that you're going to let up homers, your ball's not going to move as much, but you still go out there with confidence in yourself. Those are the guys that are going to succeed and make it onto the next level and get out of that space where guys are still struggling. You know, I say like a lot of guys end up dying in double A. I can say the same thing for guys in triple A. They end up just dying there because they can't get out. And, you know, I want to make sure next year that I'm prepared for that and, you know, not thinking about it in such a negative way like I really did this year. I got to think of it as, you know, so what? Like, mm-hmm. it's me versus the guy in the box. Like, nothing else matters. Like, none of nothing else matters besides me trying to strike this dude out and this dude is thinking the same thing. I want to hit a homer off this guy. That's what it just dials down to is me versus that guy. You can't think about all these other factors. You can't be on the mound like – you know, I want to go up here, but I don't have carry today. I want to throw my slider here, but I don't have depth. Like, you can't think about that stuff. And I think that had a little bit of an effect on me towards the end of the season. And, you know, I'm beating myself up about it. Like, why am I thinking that? Why am I thinking that? But I think sometimes you have to have those things happen in order to learn from it. You know, I think we talked about, like, humility, like, a while back. Like, those dudes that get drafted in the first round of high school, and then they – hit 220 with like two homers their first year and they're like what happened it's like that's stuff you're gonna have to go through at some point nobody just makes it straight to the big leagues after one year unless you're Mike Trout or some of these other guys that are just specimens that they're just not even I don't even know how to describe them they're the elites of the elite but you know you have to go through that adversity and those struggles to really learn about yourself you know some people die from it and some people move on from it so I'm looking to be the guy that can move on from it and, you know, better myself with those experiences that I've had. 
Definitely, definitely. And you're grateful for the outs that you do get, right? Like, and, and that's even a bigger thing. It's like, you know, instead of focusing on the negatives of the home runs that you've given up, that probably wouldn't be a home run in, in Middletown, Delaware. No, you're just grateful for the fact that, hey, I punched out this really good hitter. And, you know, that's very hard to come by in, in these mm-hmm. elements and being able to do that. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of times focusing on the positive. Let, let's focus on the positives that you were able to get yeah. out of this season. What are some of the adjustments that you're making for this off season and moving forward. I mean, it sounds like reading became a big part of your routine and, and on a daily basis, which I would say is good no matter what your ERA is. So definitely a positive there. What are some other things that you're taking out of this season and hopefully translating into the off season and beyond? I'd say uh, towards the end of the season, I started like looking on my phone at old videos of me being successful. I think sometimes you get so caught up watching like the bad stuff happen you watch like the bad film you watch the bad pitch and you just have that image in your head the whole time like don't do that again don't do that again instead of watching you know good pitches good outs good executed pitches here and there and I think that is going to be more important for me to have just this more positive atmosphere around myself so that you know it's I mean I'm going to, you're going to struggle. I'm not going to, no one's going to be perfect and have a zero year way. I'm going to have a blow up inning. I'm going to have a blow up outing. I'm going to have a, a bad stretch, but it's how fast you can move on from those bad outings is what's really going to prove what you're made of. And I think this off season, I'm going to do a better job of, you know, being more positive, looking at the good video, not trying to think too much about the stuff that I did before, only worrying about the things that I want to work on and I want to get better so, I mean, there was a boatload of things that I could probably want to work on, but I kind of dimmed it down. Just like a few thingies. They're more mechanical stuff, so I want to dive into all that stuff. But I think the mental game is more important to me now than I think it ever has been. I reached out to – get we had Garrett Acton on here a couple uh, – last year at some point, maybe the year before. But uh, he, he meets with a mental, uh, mental health coach twice a week, and I reached out to him, and I'm – trying to get on that path and start talking to him and see if that helps because I've never done it before. So who knows, maybe this might be a time for me to branch out and see how that does. But, you know, he said that it's really helped him a lot because we're all physically as strong and as good as we're going to be. Like there's, I mean, you might, you know, with the technology and stuff, you can work on your pitches and make that better. But if you go out there with no confidence in it, it doesn't matter. You have to have your head right to, you know, execute pitches and be on, be out there and be in the moment, understand like what's happening during the game. So I think that's a big portion of my off season is going to be spent being more positive, working on that. And, you know, I think it's going to work out in the end. Do you guys have a mental skills coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. So I think we have, we have two of them now. We have two. I think they, they come and visit like every once in a while. I have his number. Uh, I'd like to reach out to him at some point and just, you know, see what happens. Like, it's not going to hurt. Like, it's not like I'm trying to lift something heavy. I'm going to get hurt. Like, I'm just talking to a guy and (laughs) it might unlock something. It might unlock something in the back of my head. Like, okay, like that's like, that's something I can build off of. So do they, sorry, do they encourage you guys to talk to them in like spring training or anything? Like, do they do a presentation in spring training to like introduce themselves and say, this is a resource here? Yeah. And then do they, are they like, come talk to us or? Yeah, they're always like open door, like everything's confidential, obviously. But, you know, it's it's strange because like I, I don't see a lot of guys, you know, unless they do it on the side, like when people aren't looking. But 
you know, a lot of guys don't do that stuff. But then again, a lot of the guys that I played with this year were, you know, almost in their thirties, like early thirties. They've been through all this stuff that I've, have been going through right now. And I'm sure they've done stuff like similar things that I've been doing in their past. And obviously they're still playing at 36 years old with three kids. Like, I mean, props to a lot of those guys. Like I want to be that guy one day. Like that's, I look at those guys, like that's the life I would love to live. Like I don't want to stop showing up to the field every day. I don't want to stop having four month long off seasons. I want to, you know, I want to live this life for as long as I can, as long as my arm and body can, you know, obviously my head can keep on going. So it, it doesn't shock me that, that athletic men of 20 to 30 yeah. years old don't show the fact that they go see a mental health person and, and mental skills coach, because <laughs> that would be a quote unquote sign of weakness. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what people are obviously trying to avoid, but no, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And, and, you know, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge proponent of mental health and mental skills too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to have those, you know, just, again, I think you've got a great perspective on it, but again, you said, what could be the next step? You know, you're at that point now where physically, like nobody is physically different between, you know, the guy on a triple a roster and, and the everyday big leaguer and the, the guy who takes the ball every fifth day. Mm-hmm. Those guys are mentally, they've just been through it. They handle it well. They can handle all the adversity they see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the difference between the 15-year big leaguer that you're talking about and the guy who gets caught in AAA. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you think about that. Like, I don't want to be, like, you never want to be that guy. And you want to get that image out of your head. So you want to start looking at these, uh, you know, try to look at these other guys as role models. Like, you know, if these guys can do it, so can I. And and at that point, like, you want to start thinking, like, I can do it better than those guys. So you just don't want to be average. You don't just want to be, you know, just like somebody else. You want to be your own self. You want to be your own, you know, 10-year big leaguer. And I think I'm making the right steps towards that, and hopefully it's going to pay off in the end. But, you know, like I said, those last two months were – they were tough. They were they were probably, you know, the toughest couple months of my life. Like, waking up every day, I was kind of like, gosh, like, you know – kind of like wearing on me a little bit so it was nice to have you know five weeks off of no baseball I mean it's tough not to watch the world series not to watch playoff games but you know sometimes it's nice just to really get away from it and you know it's our job but it's sometimes nice to take a break from it and just kind of refresh so that's what I'm looking forward to is turn the page you know after after the new year and get moving the next year and look forward to spring training here soon I, we don't have to dive into mechanicals like mechanics necessarily, but is there anything from a like a pitch perspective or a physical perspective that you're working on? Like, how's the stuff playing? Are you looking to adjust anything on the mound? Or yeah, so there was a couple of things. So I think so going into spring training, I kind of felt like I was still building up because I only had a couple of weeks off the year before, and you know, throughout the whole se- like the first half of the season, I still felt like I was building my arm up I think at some point I was finally getting back to you know the threes fours and fives which I've you know been at but you know it just kind of it just like hit like a wall I was like gosh it just kind of stopped and I think I started trying to muscle up things too much and I think I was uh getting like early extension I was pushing off too much and my torso like there was pictures uh, my f- my foot's landed and my whole I'm already facing the catcher like I have yeah. nothing 
nothing back here. And I think that was because I was trying to really muscle stuff up. Like, you know, where's the velo? Where's the velo? And I'm tensed up, tensed up, tensed up. And then I'm just pushing the ball, pushing the ball on my whole bicep tendon, just taking all the wear and tear instead of taking it from the ground, from the foot to the shin, to the knee, all the way up to the hips. I think I just got away from using my lower half more than I did before. But I mean, we've worked together for, you know, the whole COVID year and before that, I've always been a relatively quad dominant sort of guy, but I think I got away with it for so long because I've just been fortunate to have a decent arm, you know, to make up for that, you know, the lacking lower F or, you know, lower half mechanics. So this off season, I really, really need to do a better job of syncing everything up from the ground up rather than just focusing on my arm and my, you know, my, you know, my explosiveness there. So those are, that's probably the biggest thing that I need to work on is work on the lower half to make sure that, you know, the upper half can follow it instead of just being mistimed and off timed and stuck in the middle. So that's, that's one main focus this off season. It's just staying over the rubber and kind of being able to rotate around the the Mm -hmm. foot and the ground instead of rotating early. Yeah. So all my energy was just, I was just quad and it was just like straight to first base or straight to straight to third base and the whole body's going with it. And I'm just felt like I was just pushing the ball the entire year rather than relaxing the pack, getting back into the scap and just being loose and easy. I think I was just yeah. like, yeah. just like a strong man trying to throw a boulder or something instead of like, you know, it was, it? uh, it was like, uh, who, uh, Bruce Lee, right? Like bamboo, yeah. like, like moves with it. Instead, of like te- like a tense muscle doesn't move as well. So I think, I think that's gonna be something I would like to really focus on is just like relax and like breathe out there and not start panicking. It's crazy. And breathing heavy. It's crazy and how like how much of this stuff, whether it's you know really hitting or pitching, like the harder you try and swing or the harder you try and throw it's the opposite it's never gonna work like if you don't put in if if you're not able to move efficiently and you you have to try and muscle stuff up like you're just not gonna get the results that you're looking for ever Mm -hmm. that's where i was stuck in i was like trying to muscle things up and i was just you know now like a lot of like i think baseball has changed so much in the past couple years i think i was always taught push push like drive off drive towards home plate and I got away with it and a lot of coaches didn't like try to mess with me too much because I was able to throw strikes. I was able to, you know, throw at a higher velocity and keep up with it. And I think it just kind of caught up to me towards the end of the season. So I want to make sure this off season, every day I'm doing something every day I'm on the mound. And that's another thing I want to work on. Gosh, it just keeps going in my head. Like, oh, stuff <laughs> but I think, I think for any young listeners out there, flat grounds, throwing regular flat grounds are more harmful than people think. There's no, I think uh, I've talked to guys, there's not a lot of data that shows that throwing off the mound, you know, eight to 10 pitches rather than throwing a flat ground, it's not that much. It's, if anything, there's not any less stress on the arm. Less stress. So I think, so I think I was, so that was the other thing. I was having trouble like monitoring or making sure like I was getting off the mound enough as a reliever. Like, am I hot today? Make sure I throw a couple pitches just to make sure I'm feeling good. And I would just do these flat grounds for, you know, 10, 15 pitches. And I'm just pushing, pushing, pushing early, early, early extension, early. Like I'm getting there too fast instead of just going off the mound and just using the slope. 
So this off season, I'm uh, as I start ramping up, even you know two months before I get on the mound, I'm gonna play catch off the mound just to feel the slope rather than being on the flat ground where I feel like I have to get up and over. Instead, I just have the slope. I'm just constantly downhill. But I could keep going with stuff I want to work on. But I don't want to be here until gosh five o'clock. <laughs> I'm <laughs> with keep you though. Short. The the flat ground stuff. It's not you know it not was good. always used as like a well it's not a bullpen. It's easier on your arm, but it works against you in a lot of ways. I mean, just having the one mechanically just getting you out of whack, but two, like you said, the stress isn't. There is no relief of stress in that, at least from what I've found and and read and heard and listened to. So like being able to get on the slope and use the slope every day, like you don't need to be throwing a bullpen every day, but just being on the slope every day and feeling that and knowing how your lower half is moving. It's just dry reps, no towel drills. So I won't dive into that, but, uh, but you can, I think you can even have a, you can throw off a mound every day. It doesn't have to be 60 feet, six inches. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. Literally just after catch play, go, yeah, go with your partner. Go play catch for 15, 10 throws. Like, off the mat. That's yep. going to be like, – what's wrong with that? Like, Nothing. I think you put more stress on your body when you're doing the flat grounds because you're trying to like overcompensate mm-hmm. for the slope. The slope literally helps you get downhill. It takes all your momentum, and when you're flat ground, you don't have that. You're right, just exactly. stuck on the same level, and you're just pushing and pushing – and I think I was just doing that too much. I mean, I was throwing, you know, like 10 pitch, like flat grounds, you know, 15 pitch flat grounds. Then I'd go on the mound and I'm like, why do I feel not the same as I did two minutes ago? And it's because I'm on the flat ground. I'm overcompensating, trying to do things that I wouldn't do on the mound. Right. I mean, we, as a pitcher, you make your money. You, you work on the mound. Like, That's why? Just, yep. Like as a hitter, like, like you go and take batting practice, like you're hitting on the field, like they hit on the field, you know, two or three times a week. Why aren't you on the mound? three or four times a week as well. Like, obviously you have to listen to your body, listen to your arm. Like sometimes you can't, sometimes, you know, there's days you can push it. There's days you shouldn't push it, but I see no issue with literally just playing catch off the mound. Just spin a right. couple off the mound. Like it's not going to kill yeah, you. Again, right. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to be a full bullpen. No, just, just touch it. Like just get a touchy feel like you, that's where you work. That's where you're going to make, you know, that's where you're going to be for, the rest of your career like i'm not gonna be throwing flat grounds you know in the big leagues <laughs> like i'm gonna be on the mound <laughs> yeah you're not you're not getting the most important outs off of a flat ground right no. like you're, you're yeah. getting it off of a slope and and things like that but game like as possible yeah exactly so i mean you mentioned it a couple times we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to sit here and, and dive in the weeds on on updating your the off season and what you got going on and mechanically letting you and Dan nerd out and be able to get a little bit more pitching insight on this podcast. Cause we've been very hitting dominant over the last couple months since, uh, since you've been gone. So I know Dan will be very excited to get you back, but Dan, any last questions for Colin or Colin, any last thoughts before we, before we let our listeners get out of here and, and we get on with our, with our fine Mondays. I got nothing. I'm just excited to finally be back and, I just love just talking ball. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Like every time I just sit here and just talk baseball, it's mm-hmm. nice. So I'm excited for the off season with you guys, and I'm looking forward to bringing some guests on that I've played with. So be on the lookout for that, and really excited for all the things you guys have done while I've been gone. So I'm excited to you know be back and be a part of it, and looking really forward to it. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah of course. Back. We're excited to have you back, and and we think 
plenty, plenty of great conversations ahead for all our listeners and, and obviously having Colin in the fold for us and moving forward with some of the cool stuff that we got, which, you know, keep an eye on the social channels. We'll be, we'll be churning out this content here over the next few days and weeks and, and have a lot of fun things planned for our listeners. But thank you for tuning into this episode today as that will conclude our episode. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast as well as YouTube. We post episodes weekly, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.